everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Brick and Mortar podcast. Um, this is a interim video chat series that we're doing in honor of social distancing. I'm taking the time to reach out to a bunch of my peers and discuss how coronavirus and COVID-19 have changed the industries in which they operate uh, and ultimately trying to tie it back to the real estate space. So I hope you enjoy these discussions and insights as much as I do. straight straight line you gotta speak to people how they want to hear it sometimes yeah for sure no i like that i like that about it it's really uh it's accessible right like a lot a lot of people try and make real estate a little bit too scientific and and uh i don't know i like your guys yeah. approach exactly it's just it's, everyone wants to make it such a big deal yeah um, yeah it's, it's basic math for most of the transactions yeah um, when you get into the commercial stuff then it's sophisticated but how many guys play in that space anyways yeah, and I mean, it's really, like, it's not even that sophisticated. It becomes a little bit more legally delicate, I suppose, but right. it's, not, it's all the same stuff. Like, I've always found it funny, you know, how people really want to distinguish between commercial and residential real estate when, like, the majority of investment capital in, in Canada is actually going into residential. Always, always, always. So, but, I mean, yeah. housing is our is our big product. So, I've always found that kind of, I don't know, just... I, I don't know what the word is for it, but it's just kind of, I guess it's just unnecessary or re- redundant. Like the product is, the, the whole thing is the same at the end of the day. Real estate's real estate, right? Correct. Correct. Um, so where are you right now? Where are you staying? I know you stay between Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. So we live up in Holland Landing, um, oh. but, and obviously I'm not going to the office in Toronto very often right now. Okay. So, so yeah, basically um, just been doing that and, uh, and, and living, up here um the market was still pretty strong i would say up here until about i don't know maybe a week ago two weeks ago yeah, like, i spoke to you you said uh things were still good and then um you forecast this to kind of happen so yeah ready. i don't know if i would say i forecasted it but yeah, yeah like i i definitely was i was worried about it right so i i was I, I tried to do everything that i could to prepare yeah yeah okay yeah and then well, i, I guess your podcast uh, the podcast itself was brick and mortar, but this new series that I'm doing right now is called co-video chats. So it's just like, it's like a play on COVID and video chats. Um, oh, that's cool. and, uh, yeah, I guess my vision for it is really just like, I'm sure you've noticed this getting on the phone with more and more people in the real estate space. Like everybody just wants to pick your brain on what your perspective is. So I figured if I could have a lot, as many of those conversations as possible with people right. who I feel are, are qualified, I can start right answering a lot of those questions or, or at least getting like just gathering perspective and getting a big, a bigger worldview to present to clients, to present to, you know, prospective developers, investors, whatever on, on, you know, just kind of trying to aggregate that market sentiment from smart people who, who right. I, I, and so that's why I wanted to have you on here to get an idea of how things are looking from your lens and, right. and what you're doing to adapt on a, on a micro level, like on an individual level, but also on, on a macro level, like how you are, um, how, how your business has changed and how the, how you've seen the industry change. Um, sure. so if you're cool with it, if you're able to just start off with a, a little bit of an introduction of yourself for those who don't know you and yeah, you and what your day to day looked like, let's say maybe a month ago. Okay. No problem. So yeah, can you give me one second? I just want to grab, um, one thing. Yeah. Yeah, if you could just start with that intro, and then uh, and we'll we'll kind of progress from there. Okay, no problem.
So hi, Daniel. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast show. My name is Aaron Charles. I'm a real estate investor, licensed realtor, and also a real estate developer. Um, I've been in real estate for the last 12 years. Started off in multifamily, um, transitioning from multifamily into buy rental flips. I did some pre-construction work in Toronto, and now I'm doing infill developments and residential developments in the Toronto area. Um, I'm happy to, to be on this show to discuss um, real estate in the COVID times. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, um, it's a challenge, but there's also some positives um, that's gonna come out of this as well. Um, but a lot of the prep work starts right now while we have the downtime. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time kind of just planning, positioning myself, um, re realigning my goals to um, kind of take advantage of COVID. Even though I am being negatively impacted right now, um, how I've always been able to push through things is by um, not focusing on the negative because I already know it's there, but working on the positive and working on the future. Um, so at least the positive that I get to extract would outweigh the negative. But if you just sit there and just look at the negative outcomes that can possibly happen for you, and you don't work on the positive outcome, that's not gonna balance each other out, right? Yeah. So you, you just wanna come out of this COVID situation. Um, everyone's gonna get touched. No one's gonna be Superman. No one's gonna be immortal. Um, as if you watch the news, you're seeing the big guys already starting to get bailed out. I seen um, Ruth Chris get a $20 million bailout today. Um, airlines are gonna get bailed out. So the small guys have to you know, put their pride aside and make some hard sacrifices. So I've already started making some hard sacrifices. Um, I, yeah. sold a couple, I sold a couple of my properties um, for some liquid, just to stay a little bit liquid. Um, also to fund some other projects that are currently at a standstill, getting them back up on, on the ground as well. Yeah. Um, and they're properties that I never thought that I, I'll sell. Right. Um, but being a real estate investor, you know, it's all about the numbers and it has to make sense. So sometimes, you know, you can't be emotional yeah. You have to do what's right because you can always reset and, and go on the attack. So that, that's, that's a negative, you know, selling when you don't want to sell. But the good thing is having assets that you can sell in a time like this. So you don't have to depend on government funding and government help. You will have assets that you can liquidate that you can weather the storm with, right? Um, so this is going to show people the importance of real estate. I think a lot of realtors go out there and say, hey, you know, Real estate will go up in the next five years, 10 years. No one knows, but I always tell people it's good to have assets to, to lean on in situations like this, right? If you know you care, like for example, you know, there's times when I'll start my business and, you know, I'll accumulate more debt than I wanted to, right? I can easily tap into my assets, refinance out and pay those credit card debts off yeah. and, and keep moving forward or sell an asset, reset and go again, right? Um, so it's always important to keep buying assets um, at any level, um, but real estate really does well. So I'm starting to see that the condo market st is still strong in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, most of the properties that I did sell were condos right. um, and they're doing well. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of like where we are right now with COVID. Um, we just have to wait and see, be patient. Did, uh, were you kind of stuck with selling because that like made you able to access all of your liquidity or, or was it because the lending market's tightening a little bit and you couldn't, you couldn't refi to where you wanted to or what was Yeah, like, um, 
for me, refinancing wasn't really an option. I wanted, I wanted all the juice out of it. Yeah. Um, plus one, one of the units was empty and we just had a tenant move out prior to COVID mm-hmm. and we were debating if we we're going to sell it or not. So we tried the, the leasing market, the rental market. And for some reason, everything slowed up. Yeah. Um, remember Airbnb kind of took a beating with the policy change. Yeah. So a lot of rental units came on the market as well. For sure. Um, so that kind of saturated the market. Then COVID came and travel stopped. So everyone had a fire sale in terms of, you know, you were catching one bedrooms in Toronto furnished being rented for like 1350. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of hard to keep up with that. Um, and I didn't have the time to weather the storm. For sure. Uh, so I just wanted to liquidate those projects, those, um, those one-offs and I'm getting into other stuff. So I just said, you know what, where's the highest and best use of this cash right now? It's not going to be in this condo. Um, and I'm, and, and my business model is pivoting a little bit as well. So it was a good time. And people are, were kind of like purchasing now at a rapid rate because they're kind of scared they're going to lose their jobs and they needed to, you know, downsize. So the condo market did very well. Um, yeah. I got stuck on a project that I finished. It was a 5,000 square foot um, rental out in Bloomington. Um, so that, that slowed up, dried up completely. So I'm selling my condo that I live in now and going to move into that property to weather the storm. So like I said, it's all about adjustments, right? I'm a person that I like to stay nimble. I like to keep moving, fluid. Agility, yeah, yeah um, I don't get caught up on I really like my condo. I need to stay here. Let me try to weather this out. It's like, all right, condo market is doing strong. Let me liquidate my condo. Let me go move into the house. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, I don't have a big family, but you know, let me, let me put my attention over there and, and, and weather that storm over there and liquidate uh, this condo because it's, it's, it's not, it, it's not a need for me right now. Right. Yeah, man. That's a, it's, I think that's the right approach to have, right? I think that the, it, it's easy to get, bogged down if you're if you're playing in the big leagues and and you don't have that agility right like some guys they would have been they could have been stuck with a handful of assets that aren't that aren't exceptionally liquid if you had you know if you had to fire sale three commercial properties and you're stuck in a, in a six month absorption cycle then you would not have the cash in your jeans right now and you, you might be you know in a much more stressed out position so at least now it's nice and it's nice to hear that you're you're positioning yourself to be able to capitalize on this right yeah, you need to. You need yeah. To. What, uh, on the, on the development side, cause I know you're, you're, you're getting into, you're sort of pivoting, obviously, like you mentioned on the infill side, um, have, has that process pretty much slowed down completely? Like, is it, are you in entitlement phase of most of your developments? Like just trying to get, uh, yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, we'll talk about, talk about them individually cause they're all individual. I know. I'd love that. Challenges. Yeah. Um, so Jackson's point, you're familiar with the Jackson's point site. Yeah you looked at it you've talked to me about it a couple of times um the challenge that i'm having there is just uh we're in a capital race um process to close um we were, we were we were on pace to close in may um but then you know investors are a little scared of the market right now everyone's holding like you said their, their, their money close to the jeans right now so it's been a little challenging on the on the capital race side mm-hmm. um and then also the city, the city's closed as well. Um, so when I close on it, I'm OMB approved, but I still have to go through site, um, subdivision site plan. Yeah. And subdivision site plan takes minimum 12 to 18 months. 
um, and the city being closed, that puts that puts that pushes the project out. So today I'm gonna be reaching out to the seller and just renegotiate a little bit in terms of uh, stretching out that closing a little bit longer. For sure. Maybe set up, maybe set up a, a deposit structure still along the way, but it doesn't make sense to close on the property, carry interest, all that stuff, no. and you can't do anything in the city. And we don't know when the city's gonna be back up and running. Yeah. Not only is the city when it's operating slow in the summertime, if we come out of COVID in the summertime, the city's not going to be ready to pick back up, right? No. So I'm not. I'm thinking maybe like fall is where sure. you can start to see some action in the city. Yeah. So you know everybody has to just play a part. Seller needs me. I need the seller. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's teamwork when it comes yeah. to real estate, right? I would agree, and I mean even even just economically, like on that in that example, I would say it, it makes more sense if we're thinking about this as everybody working together you know, it makes more sense for him to be holding the property in the meantime, because his carrying costs are a lot lower, right? Like, I mean, right. there's no sense in increasing the value of the property in the short term and, and creating that huge drain on the economy if we're supposed to be working together here, right? Exactly. Now, right? So, so that's definitely the approach that I want to take, you know, right. and then there's another project that I'm working on right now. Um, I bought a commercial residential property um, in the junction area in Toronto, um, close to my office when you came down there, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be building a, um, and we could talk offline about it as well, but we're going to be building a 10, 10 unit residential um, rental property um, and uh, one commercial. Nice. So ultimately, we're taking a two story commercial building, topping it up to three stories and extending it back about 150 feet um, and then building rental apartments. So I'm actually, before COVID, I was already pivoting into multifamily again, yeah. going back to my roots. Um, my mentor always told me, Aaron, you know, you're going to go out there cause you're ambitious and do a bunch of shit that you're not supposed to do. <laughs> and you're going to get away from the fundamentals that you know, you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I was not, you know, I was young when I started, I was 21, 22. I had uh multifamily by age 25. I had 10 apartment buildings, right. but it was boring. It was boring for me just collecting rent checks and dealing with tenant issues was kind of boring for me at that age. I wanted to flip houses. I thought that was a cool thing to do. Yeah. I wanted to reconstruction I wanted to do infills I wanted to do all that cool glamorous stuff but then as I was going through it I realized oh my gosh I'm, I'm, I'm too exposed here like I went through um stress test change when that came in that that screwed me up while I was in the middle of a flip um the foreign the foreign tax change that screwed me up when I was in the middle of a building a flip um so a lot of those things kind of like just turned me off that you know, you have to time the market so well on a buy and flip, and it's almost impossible to do that. You lose a lot of time, money, and effort. Yeah, there's um, a lot of market risk that you assume in that game, for sure. Yes. So multifamily, you know, you just buy and hold. I've made most of my money in real estate by buying and holding. Yeah. Right? It, buying and holding in pre-construction was awesome. Four years by condo for 200. Four years later, it's worth 600. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I didn't do anything. There's no effort. Yeah. Multifamily, same thing. Buy and hold, property value goes up. Um, mortgage pay down, rents increase, the cap rate changes, there's your value, right? Um, don't have to get fancy and sexy to make money in real estate. But, you know, I had to go through that. I'm, a, I'm an individual where you can tell me something a hundred times, but I have to go through it myself to know if it's for me or not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the way I'm a touch and feel learner, right? Yeah. Um, so now that I went through that, I'm like, okay, phase two of my life now. That was in my 20s. Now I'm in my 30s now. Let me get back to multifamily. 
but I want to be able to do multifamily in prime locations. Yeah. Um, so I started to look at commercial residential mid cap um, properties where I can do extensive um, value add-ons. And, you know, it's, it's been, um, it's been beautiful so far. Um, so the, the, the game that I'm now transitioning into is not only multifamily, but co-living. So we're going to be building purpose-built co-living spaces where instead of renting out the units, um, renting out by units, we're renting it out by, uh, by rooms and right. creating um, common spaces for individuals to um, access. So the reason for that is Toronto has an issue with rental units not having enough on the market. Yeah. And two, affordability. For sure. Right? So it solves two problems. I'm bringing more rental units to the market in prime locations that people want to be. And then I'm creating affordability. So if a, a two-bedroom unit in Toronto will go for 2800 two-bedroom, two-wash will go for anywhere from 2700 to 3000 I can rent a room for 1500 Correct. 1550 right? Even, even upwards to 1750 So it, it creates an affordable um, housing situation for a tenant, and it creates a lot more cash flow for the investor like myself. Um, and then I'm also looking to get into uh, – the assistant living space as well, nice. family units and convert them into assistant living as well. So I'm just going after straight cash flow. Um, Jackson's Point is going to be my first development, um, residential development, but it'll probably be my last as well. Um, you think so, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because as I'm going through it, I'm seeing all the money that goes to everybody else, and then you're left with what 15, 20 percent. Yeah, it's good, but for the amount of work effort and the amount of things that can go wrong, I don't see the value. Right. Yeah. And for me, it's, if you, if something goes wrong in a development, which 90% of the time, there's something that's going to go wrong. Um, you want to be able to hold that project and weather, weather out the storm. And basically in five to 10 years, your mistake will be erased just because you held onto it. Yeah. You only lose in real estate when you sell. Yeah. I agree. Right? Um, if you hold on to it, you can weather that storm and, and, and capture, capture your losses in, in the long. So on the mall, that's really interesting because I've had sort of a similar vision for the multifamily and for the mixed use development is the municipality pretty receptive. And are, are you planning to try and take that through the CMHC affordability program or do you know yet? Yeah. So it's so funny that you mentioned that you're a very smart guy. I always respected that about you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just got off the phone with my, uh, one of my partners who sits on my board. He's a mortgage, he's a mortgage uh, agent. Okay. Um, so I sent him an email, a text yesterday. Hey, look into the CHMC affordability programs for co-living. Let get back to me. So we we're on the phone this morning, and he's just breaking down the criteria for me. Right. Um, so yeah, we're definitely gonna um, attack CHMC. Um, um, they have great plans and rates for affordable housing. Well, yeah, I guess if you do the actual affordable housing, I mean, you, I guess you're stuck at 70% of AMR for 20 years, but like what you said, right? If you're going to hold the, the property for 20 plus years, then after, after that average or, or below market rent period is up like the 70%, then you can jump back up to, so there's a restrictive covenant on it. The only challenge becomes if you want to sell, right? Yeah. So, so the, the vision for myself now is I'm not, I don't mind the 70% because I'm buying the property, let's say for $3 million mm -hmm. and I'm putting 2 million into it. The valuation is going to be, let's say 10 million when it's finished. Right. Yeah. That, that 70%, I still get to take some juice out of it because I increased the value of the property. Mm -hmm. When you're purchasing it as a finished product, it kind of sucks. Right. 
Um, but if you get to increase the value, you can pull some money out up front and recapture some of your expenses. Um, but ultimately, for me, it's building a portfolio in and around the Toronto area, core locations. Um, just to give you an idea, like Junction, Annex, um, Queen West, King West, those type of locations yeah. um, where I can hold on to it for 30, 40 years yeah. um, and create a REIT. The goal is to create a REIT, right. um, a, a REIT of high, highly favored cash flowing properties in Toronto that my investors can come in and make a return on their capital through the REIT. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking to build up my business now from a very sophisticated standpoint, doing it the right way, having great assets that are going to produce through any, any storm. Right. Um, when I started off, I was in Hamilton. Um, I went to St. Catharines as well, but Toronto is where I know it's going to hold strong no matter what happens. Toronto's going to rebound before anyone rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, on that note, then, like it, with a forward-looking mentality that you have, um, are you seeing this whole COVID thing as a, as an opportunity? Like, is that why you you wanted to access that liquidity sort of before things? Like, are you in? And, and obviously, I don't want to make you put you in a position where you're you're supposed to be, you know, have a crystal ball or act like an economist. But are you anticipating that there'll be good buying opportunities over the like over the next, let's say, you know, three to six months, maybe a year? And, and yeah, like, so, you think that we're going to start seeing some distress in the market? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm a very open book type of individual. And for those who know real estate and are in the game of real estate, the buyer is going to have the most control right now. Anybody who wants to sell coming out of COVID is going to be in a position of no power, little to no power. Um, because when COVID is finished, you know, a lot of people's finances are going to be damaged. Um, People, are, people have lost jobs, people are holding on. So anyone who's looking to sell real estate in that time is going to be um, discounted because the individuals coming to purchase, their purchasing power is also um, lower as well. And the market's gonna now dictate what people can pay for your property. Um, so in the space that I'm playing in, the commercial residential, I know for a fact anybody who's selling in that space is gonna be willing to uh, be deal making um, because you know they're most likely going to lose their commercial anchor tenant. Um, they're going to be have some vacancies um, and they're just going to be tired. Um, they're going to be tired because the space that I'm playing in, where I have to do substantial top ups and additions and underpinnings to make that building. So, for example, the building I purchased is 6,000 square feet. When I'm finished with it, it's 12,000 square feet. So, I'm doubling the footprint. Right. It's too, it's too small for the big guys and it's too big for the small guys. I'm yeah. right in the middle. Yeah. Very small. There's very few middle guys. I really admire like what you're doing. Cause I have, I have a very similar philosophy on the market. I think all the opportunity rests exactly with what you're describing. Correct. It's right in the middle. So, you know, it's too big for Tridel, Menkes and Minto, but it's too, too small for Joe the flipper. So, coming in for the guy who graduated from flipping but has the development mindset yeah understanding you're taking a commercial residential property that has a cr cr3 zoning and you can three times the density take it through the site plan process and then build a residential right because commercial and residential and if you put more residential units in there the taxes will be a lot lower um on the property as well so it's it's just it's an interesting game that i'm getting into but it's it's that sweet spot it's that sweet spot. 
10 to 15, 20 units um, is what I'm looking for. Two bedrooms, three, three, two to three bedrooms, because I'm, my business model is to rent them out by doors. Right. Yeah. Uh, that'll be, and I, I guess we didn't really, uh, we didn't jump into it because we kind of got more into the CMHC side, but is the, is the, the city pretty receptive to the, to the co-living concept? Well, co-living isn't new. So in Toronto, there's companies out there that are in co-living space. Um, their business model is to rent out um, sublease condos and then rent out unit, rent out rooms in those condos. Right. Um, there's a, there's a couple of companies out there. Um, in terms of the city, the city, they, they give you a permits based on a conventional apartment. Right. Right. So they don't care how you operate the building. Right. You can, you can put one family in a three bedroom or you can put three people in a three bedroom. Right. What you can do is put six people in a three bedroom and start to kind of overload the building. Right. But once you're playing within those parameters, you, you should be, you, you will be fine. The city doesn't govern you on, what you really do with your rental units, um, right. then you know they don't. They want to eliminate short-term rentals. So co-living isn't something that's new. Co-living has been around forever. It's just a sexy new word that's being used, right? Yeah. When you went to university, you had student housing, right? Yeah. When you when you got into adult life, you had a roommate, right? <laughs> right. It's the same thing. It's just it's a sexy way of saying roommate, but it's co-living. Right. Um, it's a little twist to it, you know. Yeah. Mess with the brain a little bit. Yeah, we should chat actually because I have two uh, two pretty keen opportunities for something similar in in the Hamilton market. Um, I think we could scoop up probably. Um, one of my partners has them right now that they just took back, so we'll, we'll have to chat after about it. I'd be interested to just uh, leverage your experience, even if you're not not interested in in getting involved in it. Yeah, definitely, uh, we can definitely talk about it. But yeah, I I push people now to think. Um, you know, if I was to do it all over again it's 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 definitely that multi-family space um, right. in, in in cities that have a high attraction for renters um because you gotta you gotta be able to weather the storm man you can't be holding you know i broke my number one rule right you're not supposed to buy residential properties as investment properties they're principal residences and that's what it is um yeah but what saved me is what i got into i caught the wave on condos early started yeah. buying condos in 2009 all the way till now. So I'd got a good ride, but you know, I broke my rule and bought a 5,000 square foot home and renovated it, but I got it at a good price. I picked it up at 1.4 million. The appraisal was 2.1 all in when I was finished, I was at 2.3 and I was selling it for 2.9, not a bad return, but you need a specific buyer, right? Yeah. Um, you need a specific person that wants that property and it takes, takes time. And someone like me, I don't have time to sit six months for something. To you don't have the patience. Eh? No, I don't have the patience. No. Um, so, <laughs> so going back to who I am and understanding my threshold, I, I'm a multifamily guy. I, I like the cash flow. I like holding on to things. I really like to hold on to properties. Um, so now I'm going into full gear and building out these multifamily units. That's going to be my focus for the next 10 years to nice. build up many multifamily boutique um, style apartments as possible. Nice. And also some of the some of the um, units that I'm going to build, I'm going to get like a hotel license for them as well, so I can operate them as hotels seasonally. Nice. Uh, so I don't know if you ever heard of a company called Saunders out in Montreal. No, you can look them up after, but they're kind of like a boutique style um, hotel that they put their footprint in communities. Yeah. So they don't have hotels like downtown Toronto or anything like that. But um, 
they will be in the, like a community of Toronto, like the Junction, Queens, yeah. Queen West, King West. And it'll be like a small little boutique building, but they'll operate as a hotel. So it right. gives travelers that experience of the city. Yeah. Um, in the community versus going right to the, the belly of the beast when you travel, right? Yeah. Um, it's almost like going to Colombia and staying in like a hostel where yeah. you're in a little neighborhood, right? Yeah. Uh, so I want to be able to have flexibility with my buildings. So during the during the, the dry season, operated as co-living or yeah. communal. During high season, operated as a boutique hotel. So funny, uh, Johnny and I were looking at a deal out in, in uh, just past Kingston there in, in um, the Thousand Islands area. That was, yeah, it, was yeah. an old, it was an old hotel and yeah. uh, we were going to do the same thing. I think it was, it would have been, we were trying to negotiate a, a contract with the, with the city of Kingston to do a, a homeless shelter there during the, the winter months. And then in the summer when it was, a, when it was hotel season in, in the Thousand Islands, we would actually run a full hotel there. Never ended up working out, but but it's it's just that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting concept because the 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 tenant mix is so different where you have to do a huge conversion every single time, right? You'd you'd be spending a lot of dough, but the the way that we had it structured, at least what our target was, was that it was basically triple net. So when they were in there, you know, they're government funded, and then they also had to fully clean and repair everything each year because they were getting it for three quarters of the year, right? Like the right. the summer season in Gananoque was only, I think it was like. You know, you're probably May till end of August, so, right? And then, then you know, you get the shelter really when it's when it's needed to get these people out of the cold, right? And then we we were our objective was to make it the municipality's responsibility to um to to make sure those everything was turned turned around and and presentable again for the season. Yeah. Um, that's cool though, man. I, I it's funny. I, I think there's a lot of uh, obviously similarities in the way that we that we think about this these properties um, yeah well for anyone who's going to be listening to this podcast the, the biggest advice i can give you is coming out of covid solve a problem yeah you have to solve a problem you have to fit, solve a problem that's going to benefit the masses of people who are going to be in trouble yeah so you have to put on your entrepreneur hat and say okay listen a lot of people are going to sell their homes some people may lose their homes but they need shelter what are they where are they going to go you have to provide that right and you got to do it in an economy of scale because now it's going to be a lot of people in need at one time, right? So even if, even if you're a lender and you have capital, you know, you know, maybe have a special lending program for people who are trying to rebuild themselves coming out of COVID and yeah. where you, you'll get a lot of business, right? You just got to put on your entrepreneur hat and say, okay, I'm suffering now, but how can I make this up coming out of COVID? There's going to be so many people that are going to be in need. Yeah. And if they don't have your, your thinking capacity, you can really benefit from this. So for me, it's like, okay, let me start sourcing multifamily that I can scoop up, scoop up because a lot of people are going to be displaced or a lot of people's incomes are going to be slashed. People are going to have to start to go into other sectors of industries that they weren't in before and just to, just to, to recover and their, their pay might be not the same, right? They may have to, have to take a pay reduction or everyone has to take a pay reduction in the economy because companies are trying to rebuild. So now you have to create people are going to be looking for affordable housing solutions, right? Um, so if you can find that, that's the gold, golden ticket right there, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think your, your approach on the affordability side is, is obviously, like, makes a lot of sense to me, especially in that respect. Like, affordability will never go out of style, right? I think there, there's a floor in, in um, pricing, especially in rental, like where eventually people, you know, when you get far enough below the poverty line, it, it, there's a welfare system and, and rent can't really go below what those people can afford. Right. Um, I think it's, it's funny that 
you know, I'd, um, a lot of my, my friends, like, you know, I'm, I, I love the, especially the Jackson's point area. Um, and, and I have quite a few rentals up there and a lot of my friends would call me, you know, like a slumlord or whatever, because of the, the type of people that, that the buildings that I was purchasing and the, and the people that, that they felt that I was, had attracted. And, uh, I thought it was interesting when this COVID thing happened and the April 1st rent was coming around and a lot of the, you know, your typical tenant, a guy like you and I, who's working in the financial sector or in the restaurant sector, isn't going to be able to afford their rent. And they're, now they have to wait, you know, 15 days or, or 30 days to get their EI or their curb or whatever it is. And, and I turned around to, you know, the same people who were insulting me then. And I had said, Hey, how are your rentals treating you now? You know, because my, my clients or my, my tenants already have their EI, uh, you know, and, and I take pride in being able to to provide affordable housing and I want to be able to do it at a greater scale. So right. I think it's not only admirable that you're doing that, but also smart because it, it's a it's a sector of the market that not a lot of people want to serve, you know. Yeah. And then affordable housing has different tiers to it, too. Right. There's like affordable housing, like you said, that's at the exact right at the bottom. And there's affordable housing where it's even for professionals. For sure. Just coming out of university, just getting into their first job, starting off at 40, 50K, paying off student loan debt. Well, you need affordable housing because you have limited income and you have responsibilities to pay off until um, you get married and group that income together and go buy your white picket fence house. There's going to be a need for you to have some type of affordability. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've been through it all, even in Hamilton, you know, ODSB tenants. Um, I had, um, what's the other one? Uh, but ODSP will, will pay you directly, right? Yeah, they pay directly. The then, other one's Ontario Works, I think. Yeah, Ontario Works. And then there's the other one with the, with the kids. Um, I can't remember the one. Social, social something. Yeah. I can't remember. Where, where the, 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 they pay the, the kids, like the teenagers and stuff like right, that. Right, right, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, you know, people have to do what works for them. Yeah. Or like people... Too many people are judgmental and say something's not for them, even yeah. though they haven't even tried it. Yeah. It's just about building systems, man. You have a system that you enjoy. It's not that you really enjoy serving those people. You have a system that works. Yeah. Because right? there, there, there could be nightmare stories for that. But, you know, once you have a good system, yeah, will be it. But cash flow is king. Cash flow is king. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are you What are you looking for right now? Like, are you just really just trying to see these existing projects through? or, And, and how are you, like are you actively prospecting for, for more deals in this market? And if yeah. so, how are you do, how are you going about doing that? Like, how do you find the one in the junction that you're, that you're. Yeah. So a little bit of everything you just mentioned, right. I'm just trying to weather the storm for the projects that I have going on right now. Yeah. Um, I have a residential top up bill that I have in the Danforth area. That's been on Stanfield stand, standstill for a while. <clears throat> um, and I'm building a triplex in the queen and Lansdowne area. We're start, actually starting back tomorrow with the underpinning nice. and I'm going to, cause when Doug Ford came out with his, um, with the list for essential services, um, anyone who had a building permit prior and if it's, um, residential, you can continue to go. Yeah. Um, the guys are going to be back going on Thursday. Um, Jackson's point will be affected. Definitely. Um, I have to reach out to the seller and renegotiate the closing. I just don't see, see it making any sense. Um, but obviously renegotiate some terms that would make him happy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I have the Dundas apartments that I'm pursuing. We have the, that we're purchasing that with, uh, building permits. So we're ready to go there as well. Um, so that, that's going to be starting during COVID. 
the great thing about COVID with that property, Dundas Apartments, was the seller actually came on board as a as a as a JV partner. Nice. So he he's holding his current financing in place. Yeah. Um, got the construction financing, and then we're we're coming in with our equity uh, amount and doing a JV with him. And so then, did you uh, it to do that, or did you just basically give him an like you bought in as a partner in the in the in the deal? Yeah, so I just bought in as a partner with the deal. So post COVID, wow. post COVID, um, I was purchasing it from him, right. and then when COVID came around, like I said, everyone wants a deal to get done. He said, "You know what, Aaron? I'll I would uh I'll give I'll lend you my equity towards this deal at a at a rate that like four percent. It was really cheap." and hold the, hold the mortgage for you and, and get the financing. And then you guys come in with your equity and finish off the project. And when it's done, you buy, you buy the project off of the, buy it off of me, the project when it's all completed. Mm -hmm. um, so that worked out really good because we didn't have to go for any financing at that time. Commercial lenders didn't want to touch anything. So we just kept what was existing and, and rocked and rolled with that. So like I said, there's a lot of deals out there when you're the buyer right now, you can work with a seller right now. So, I'm going to be going out there and VT being the shit out of this economy for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my strategy as well. I actually have one. Uh, the, the structure that the vendor's looking for is very similar to what you just described. Um, so uh, maybe I'll run that address by you afterwards yeah. as well. Cause uh, it, it's, it's a little bit out of my snack bracket just on the development size. Cause you, it'd be, be right down to the ground. Like I'm looking for something a little bit more add value yeah. that like you're like what you're doing, but maybe, you know, some guys. Um, yeah, you're looking for more like existing structure, yeah. Value add, value add, right? Yeah, yeah. The best sure. way to do it, right? You just go in there, get a slap a second on it, go in, boom, boom, six months out, right? Yeah, yeah. Just go through that whole development process right now. And especially like once COVID starts happening, everyone's going to be rushing into the city. Yeah. What I like about Jackson's point is that it's such a small, small area. There's not going to be a lot of people bombarding the city. Maybe yeah. York region a little bit, the York region side, but hopefully everything pans out there. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be fine, actually. Like, I, to be honest, I, I was actually a little bit worried about it, like, towards the end of last year, because I didn't really see the market going in the right direction. But the beginning of this year really gave me a lot of hope for for the resurrection of especially like density, like, well, I mean, not density, but let's call it that's density for 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 Jackson's point. Um, you know, your your row housing in, in those areas, like, I really think that those values are going to recover. I think that more and more families, young families are, are wanting to move up there um and i think that you'll you'll do great so um yeah Did you, you know the site uh lakeview village it's sold right yeah, yeah i saw it i saw that it was in play but uh i'm not sure what happened there i wonder yeah, they, they sold it yeah well development group picked it up to yeah. build that's good so that's their marketing and that attraction and buzz will 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 definitely who, who bought it i don't know the group that bought it but when i reached out to sandy she told me it was sold Mm -hmm. I'll do do some homework there. Yeah, but um, my project's not gonna be ready for another. I want probably two and a half years. Yeah, so I think it's gonna it's definitely gonna be a boost. And what I like about that Jackson's Point area, I'm the last development there. Mm -hmm. I'm the I have the last sewer water allocation. I have everything. I'm the last guy. So mm -hmm. I'm just being patient there, and then um, once I close on it. And then I'm coming with some nice, modern, cool designs as well. Yeah, it looks really sharp. I liked your renderings. I, I think I think it'll do well in that market, and especially with two like the times on your side. In my my perspective, I think like the, the municipality is traditionally pretty slow up there anyway, and they're going to be probably quite slow to to ramp back up for 
as as we reopen the economy after COVID. So, but I, I think you know, in that one, time is definitely on your side. Thank you. Um, yeah. So COVID, COVID, like I said, you know, um, like we've been stressing to our to our listeners, it's it's a definitely. It's a negative right now for the short term, but it's going to be a positive if you know how to reposition yourself. Yeah. And if you personally, don't know how to reposition yourself. Start aligning yourself with people who can reposition you. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, cash is king right now, and this is going to be a lesson for everybody. And I always preach this, and a lot of people don't listen to me. Um, your house is not there for you to pay off because you don't know what the end of the road is going to look like. When you realize en enough equity, you're supposed to take that equity out and reposition it. Yeah. Because look at right now, everyone's equity is going to get slashed, yeah. right? You don't, have, you, you don't have realized profits until it's in your hand. If it's just sitting in your home, it's exposed to the market at any given time, right? Um, so if you had 200,000 in equity and your house dropped 100 grand, you just gave away 100 grand you could have used. You could have used that 200,000 when and bought a multifamily building that could spit you out 100, $150,000 a year in income, right? So it's un I want people to start to realize that you don't have all the time in the world. Yeah. Everything, is, everything is urgent, yeah. right? Yeah. When, I, when, I, when I saw this COVID thing happening, before they even shut it down, I called my girlfriend and said, listen, list those three condos today, <laughs> right? And, and in 24 hours, we got offers on all of them. Yeah, yeah. $20,000 less than what they were originally selling for back then, before COVID. But it didn't really matter because I bought them four years ago at a really good price. So yeah. it, was, it was fine, right? Um, but now, and then right after that, condo buildings start to start saying, no, no more showings. Yeah, I know. Can't, can't enter the building, right? So with COVID, you have to move very swiftly because then any day the news can change on how the new approach is going to be. Yeah. So it's definitely, definitely a game that you have to move fast on right now. For sure. Yeah. What uh, what kind of advice are you giving to friends, clients, family, or whatever right now? Like, is it just similar to what you had said? Just kind of make sure you're prepared and, and do everything that you can to, to to capitalize on this. Yeah, like my circle um, of individuals. Like, I don't know if people feel I'm too like out of their lead to talk to, but no one really comes to me really right now. I think the the, the majority of the population is literally just doing what the government says, stay at home and do nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's really, most people around me aren't really doing much. Yeah. Um, it's just really me repositioning myself um, because I know I have to, um, I have a lot on the line, so I have to reposition myself. Um, but the few people that I do talk to, they're doing the same thing. They're developers and builders as well. You know, and we're just, just, we're just leveraging the system as well, right? We're deferring mortgage payments where we can, um, deferring car payments where we can deferring everything. If, if the option is there, why not take it? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, it's not a pride thing. It's more of a be smart, right? Yeah, that's that keep protects that cash flow that you're talking about, right? Yeah, if you can protect some cash, protect it. Yeah. Um, right now I'm having some conversation with some investors, renegotiating some terms, renegotiating some, um, some timelines, just doing things to reposition. This is a time where everyone has to help out. This is a time where everyone has to be accommodating and reasonable, right? Yeah. Um, the whole world is going through it. It's not just me and it's just not you, it's everybody. So we all have to do our part to keep the economy alive, right? Um, so that's my advice to everybody is do what you can. 
and, and be smart about things and don't look at things from, from a pride perspective. Oh, Daniel sold his home through COVID. He couldn't hang on. Who cares? Yeah. A home can always be purchased. Yeah, it's not yeah. serious, right? Do what you need to do to survive. And then when things, when we start to see the light again, reposition yourself. Yeah, for sure. For well, you know, a lot of people out here, they're going to be operating on pride, right? Well, they that's, don't... but it, it shows you now how, how poorly that served a lot of people, right? Like it, very quickly, you could see um, how many people didn't have the money that they were, were making it seem like they had, right? And, yeah. uh, and, and I hope that part of the result of this is, you know, the, the best outcome would be that people realize that the economy is not invincible and that they are not invincible and, and that, you know, that there are things better, you know, serious externalities that could just come in and, and curveball you like this and, and you ought to be prepared and not, not, not just expect that your, your, your home's always going to go up in value or your stocks are always going to go up in value. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it requires critical thinking as well to make, make money um yeah there's tons of people right now i know who are losing money in the stock market and then there's a whole other group who are making money in the stock market right it's just a different level of thinking like you just said and a different level of education this is covid education is different than your past education yeah educate yourself for covid right um what are you going to do in covid educate yourself what kind of properties are going to do well after covid right right? um you do nothing i think this recovery how long do you think this recovery is going to take, your opinion? Because I think it's going to be about – so I'm not even worried about COVID. I'm worried about the recovery. Yeah, same. So am I. Um, I think it's going to take probably over two years, probably two years. Yeah, I'm thinking two to three years, definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of – again, like, I think that we have this culture in Canada, and, and a lot of it probably comes from the U.S., but – you know, that we don't need emergency funds, right? And, and businesses are proving that, that they, like even like if Fortune 500 companies are proving that they didn't have enough money to, to weather 15 month, 15 days of, uh, you know, I mean, right now we're seeing Q1 earnings being reported for all of these companies and some of them are down 50%, even though they only lost half of a month of Q1. Yeah. Like, so they lost what, one sixth of, of Q1. Yeah. And all of the, like, so to me, it, and, and individuals are doing that too, right? So I don't think, like, I, we haven't seen insolvencies because nobody's reporting and, and everything's being deferred. We're not seeing, so, like, insolvencies aren't going to be indicating properly. Um, defaults on mortgages, I mean, that's deferred for six months minimum. Right. Like, the, the unemployment's at its highest ever, really. And unemployment will be at, at Great Depression levels. And I think a lot of these companies that, that realize, again, they, they, they just came to terms with their mortality. Like they, they realize they're not invincible. Yeah. They're, they're not going to hire a lot of those people back because they're just going to say, well, hell, I just, I just had the opportunity to, to slash my, my overhead. What, I'm just only going to take back essential people. And now the incentive to replace certain people with automation increases. So I, I think that this is going to be like, this will be a, a, a very notable reset in the economy that I think it's like, I think the recovery really is, is a decade, but, but I think like we're not going to start seeing positive economic signs probably for two years. I really believe that. I love the way you broke that down. It's right. Like, and they're going to realize like, shit, if this was to happen again, as fragile as this is, why right. am I going to be carrying this load again? Right. I don't want to go, I don't want to go through this pain again. Right. right? Um, so it's going to be very interesting times, but as, as, as a real estate investor and being in real estate, I still, there's going to be a need for sh- uh, housing, yeah. um, but it has to be in the rental development space. Has to be, has to be. If, if, and no other time but now to be 
building purpose-built rentals, if you can, right? But even for the average Joe, you know, build out secondary and third suites, right, in your, in your property. For sure. Uh, that's just the way it's going to be, you know. Um, the detached home market is going to get crushed for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, people aren't even going to want to touch that, or the price is going to have to come down significantly. So, um, and those people who got purchased those properties in bidding wars and stuff like that, you know, I, I wouldn't. I would tell them to hold on, but see if they can build income suites in there. Um, yeah. You only lose when you sell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've I mean, watched the news either during COVID. When you said don't watch the news. I haven't been watching the news. I don't want to uh, hear negative information. Yeah, I, I read it like crazy just because I, I've assumed a bunch of uh, bear market positions. So, you know, like in the stocks, just because I'm trying to make some money on the way down. I'm, I'm very similar to you. Like, I, I, well, obviously a little bit different in that respect, but I, I just want to, I want to be ready when, when I feel the bottom is. And I've been, okay, I've, been, I've been pretty decent at picking the top. And so hopefully I can be the same at, at picking the bottom. But right. I went to cash sort of a couple of days before things really got bad and, and bought a bunch of, uh, of inverse funds. And so I feel comfortable right now. I feel like I've built a good hedge. And I think that's my advice for a lot of people um, that, you know, do if, 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 the, if the market goes up and recovers and I'm wrong, that's great. That's a good thing. And I don't need the money that I invested against the market, you know, that where I bet against the market. Right. But if the market goes down, I'm probably going to need that money because it's going to be hard for me to make that. My earning potential is going to suffer. Uh, what do you right. think the recovery is going to look like? Hold on one second. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, for some reason the screen changed. So I was trying to. Yeah. Okay. I just for some reason it just it just stopped showing me you. So I just wanted to. All good. It's all good. So my. You're better I, to look at anyway. I'm sure. <laughs> um, what I think about the market? Yeah, same. We have the same exact view. I think it's going to take two and three years just to see some momentum going up upwards but you're right at least a decade man yeah because too many people got affected at the same time and a lot of people were already overstretched and over over leveraged right yeah um, and I, I was i was even in over leveraged positions as well because yeah. you know you're growing a business you're, you're trying to push to your max potential yeah uh, nothing wrong with that you know you're slapping seconds here you're, you're financing here and, and then you're trying to push for the next goal which is you know land development that's not an easy go. Um, at this age too, you know, you're working with mostly your capital and then eventually trying to bring investors on board as well. And that takes some time. So, you know, I just realized, and I, you have to be honest with yourself in, in a market like this and say to yourself, like, where were you doing good? And where were you doing, what, what things were you doing wrong? And 90% of the time people were building businesses, they're, they're building businesses wrong because who's really teaching you every day how to build a business. You're really just going off, off, off your own intuition 90% of the time, you know, where you can save most of the time business owners are not looking at where they can save money. They just see money coming in, but they don't see where they can actually be saving money. Yeah. Right? And sometimes to save money, you got to lose money to save money, meaning make some hard decision, take some cuts, but then re you rebuild back faster. But people don't spend a lot of time to see that. Right. Um, they look at it as, as, as a loss. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's just like, let me take my, my step backs now. Let me take my hard lessons now. And then when COVID is starting to hit its peak and we can start to rebound, I can run a lot faster with a lighter load 
and catch up for the things that I, I let go. But letting go was essential for my growth, right? Yeah. Um, so you always got to be honest with yourself. And a lot of people, I feel, coming out of COVID, their, their pride and their ego is going to be bruised. Um, and a lot of people are going to have a hard time coming back from it because, you know, when you thought you had it figured out, you know, you had the nice car, you had the house, you had the job, money was coming in, you're vacationing three, four times, and now you have to start over again. A lot of people aren't going to be able to handle that because starting over takes a certain type of person to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree. Yeah. But um, is there anything yeah. else you want to add before we sign off? I, I just want to be mindful of your time. Um, I'm sure we, you and I could probably have this conversation all day, but uh, yeah, I know. I know. No, I just want, yeah, I just want to, I like what you're doing. Um, Thanks, man. I like, I like that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're staying active. You know, a lot of people are, um, you know, they're just sitting back watching, but you're being proactive. You're, you're, you're educating people um, on the market. Uh, you're also looking for opportunities as well. And that's the way you have to do it. You have to stay, keep your ears to the ground and you have to stay sharp and you have to stay ready. That's the only way you can do it. Um, you're going to have to make, the longer this goes on, be prepared to make some hard decisions. But it's just about surviving right now. It's not about anything else. It's just about surviving. And what that means is just making sure that your family's taken care of and making sure you can, you're comfortable and you're safe. And then everything else will figure itself out. It's only money. Money is made and lost all the time. So, you know, our parents went through it. Our grandparents went through it. Generations before went through their similar struggles. So it's our time. And we just have to buckle down and just uh, be prepared for it. Yeah, man. Good. I, I love that perspective. Um, if people want to get in touch with you uh, to talk about the, the deals you're working on or just to pick your brain, where, where would you prefer they reach out to you? And I'll put this all in the show notes. Um, my Instagram is um, at Golden Triangle Group. Okay. Uh, and then my email is acharles at Golden at goldentrianglevelopment.ca. Awesome. Okay. All right. Amazing. Thanks a lot for your time, man. I really appreciate it. I think your, your insight's been, I know, exceptionally valuable to me. And it's nice to, to uh, know that somebody has a, a similar perspective towards the market as I do and um, gives me some comfort. But I, I think it's going to create a lot of value for a lot of the people listening. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share it. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out to me. I really appreciate you including me. I'm, My pleasure, man. My pleasure. I love, I love talking real estate with smart people. And, you know, real estate, like you said at the beginning, it's just a simple conversation. It doesn't have to be too technical. Yeah. It's just simple approaches that make a whole a big difference for everybody. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the video when it comes out. Yeah, buddy. I'm looking forward to getting it out. Um, Thanks. Thanks again for your time. I'll, I'll be in touch too about the, uh, I, I want to talk about that CMHC and also uh, about those two sites in Hamilton. So okay, yeah, just we'll definitely make time for it. Okay, buddy. Talk to you. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye.